Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, what do we do with our sin? When we look at the Ten Commandments, and we have to say, I've broken those. When we look at the creed and we have to say, that has not been my confession of God. When we look at the Lord's Prayer and we say, my prayers have faltered. And I have not believed God when he has promised to hear and answer me. When we look at our baptism and we have to confess that I have lived as though I were still in darkness and not in the marvelous light of the Lord, what do we do when we realize the depth of our own sinfulness? From depths of woe I cry to thee. In trial and tribulation, bend down thy gracious ear to me. Lord, hear my supplication. If thou rememberest every sin, who then could heaven ever win or stand before thy presence? That's our quandary. Now, we have a few options with our sin. We can try and ignore our sin. We can try and excuse our sin or we can confess our sin. If we try and ignore our sins, we might be able to fool ourselves for a while into this, thinking that they don't actually exist. But eventually, those sins will creep back in, particularly into our conscience, because you can only ignore reality for so long before it comes and reminds you that it exists. This is what's going on with the psalmist in our introit from David. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through all my groaning all day long. My day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. If we try and ignore our sins, they will eventually come back and start gnawing at us from the inside. My bones wasted away, we say. And we know this. If you've ever told a lie, I know no one in here has ever told a lie, but pretend like you have. And then you decided that you didn't want anybody to realize that you had told that lie, and so you'd just keep up with the lie, and over and over it keeps confronting you. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing, right, when we lie about something, that it seems like that's the topic that keeps coming up in our lives, almost as if the Lord is giving us opportunity after opportunity to stop lying. But we, we know what that feels like on the inside. Our bones are wasting away. We are being eaten up from the inside out. That is our conscience 
crying out with guilt. If we try and ignore our sins, we just end up ignoring the reality that's around us, and eventually we will suffer for that, especially in our conscience. Now, we ignore our sins especially in this way. When we know that something is a sin, and we know that we've done that thing, but we just try and convince ourselves that we didn't actually do it, that it it didn't happen, or it didn't happen the way we remembered it, or the way somebody else remembered it. it. It doesn't actually exist. That is our attempt to ignore our sins. And when you say it that way, we realize how silly of a thing that really is. And for, for those of you that have children, you know exactly how silly of a thing that this is. If we're honest with ourselves, though, as silly as it is, we do this all the time with our sins. We try and just ignore the fact that they exist. We just keep piling them into the closet, all of our so-called skeletons. Eventually, your closet does not have any room anymore. You maybe try and throw them under your bed, but that will run out of room too. Eventually, there's no place else for them to go, and they just all of a sudden start piling out. I don't know if you've seen this commercial recently. It's uh, one of the box delivery sort of things, um, and uh, they're advertising you can get more, more than just food from them now. Uh, and so the guy opens the closet and there's just like this endless flow of paper towels flowing out of the closet. And that's kind of what happens with our sins. Eventually they just become too much and they all pile on top of us and we feel as though we're dead from the inside out. That's a guilty conscience. That's option one. We can also try and excuse our sins. It's a little bit different here. We can try and convince ourselves that these things actually aren't sin. Not that we didn't actually do them, but sure we did them, but they're not actually sins. They're not actually offensive to God. They don't violate God's will or his word. But this is simply just a deception in our minds urged on by the devil. This is a lie. This is what St. John reminds us of in the epistle. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, we make God into a liar and make ourselves into a liar. It's just not true. Now, the way that this tends to work is that we know that God says in his word that fill-in-the-blank thing is a sin, and we come along and we are tempted to say, well, it's fine, though, because either in general or maybe in this specific instance, probably more often in this specific instance, because whatever the specific instance is at any given time is the time where it's okay. That it's okay in this instance because God loves you and he's just going to kind of overlook the thing. But that, that does nothing for our sins and it does nothing for our conscience. The only thing that it does is it buries us further underneath both of them. And instead of having a guilty conscience, we end up having a calloused conscience or a hardened conscience. And over time, we end up just simply not believing what God's word says about any of our sin. A very dangerous place to be. And so ignoring our sins, option one, ultimately leaves us with a guilty conscience or a burdened conscience. 
and trying to excuse our sins, option number two, will leave us with a hardened conscience or a calloused conscience. But there is a third option. It's the option we don't like too much, but it is the wonderful option that the Lord does give to us, and it is beautiful, that we can confess our sins. Now, we should make this note. By the way, we don't talk about this probably often enough. What confess means, that the word just literally means to say the same thing, and particularly to say the same thing as God. So, for example, when we confess the creed, as we did a moment ago, all we are doing in that is we are saying about God the same thing that God has said about himself. That's what it means to confess the creed. So to confess our sins, then, is to say back to God and to one another what God has already said about us in his word. It's to say the same thing as God. That doesn't necessarily make it any easier to do, but that is what confessing is. You're not making up extra things, simply looking at God's word and saying back to God what it has said about you. And when we confess our sins, the wonderful response of God is the follow-up in our introit. I said I will confess my sins unto the Lord, and God shook his finger at me. No. I said I will confess my sins unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That's God's response to sin. I forgive you. Jesus died for that. You are set at peace. When we confess our sins to God, God does not shake an angry fist at us. He points his finger at his son who's died for that thing you just confessed. And in this way, you then have a clean conscience. A conscience that is set at peace and can say, yes, I have sinned, but I know the one who has died for that sin, and in him my sin is covered and forgiven and atoned for. We have a clean conscience when we confess our sins. Not because of the confession itself, but because of the word that follows the confession. If you excuse or you ignore your sin, the word that follows that will be, you are guilty. But if you confess your sin, as the Lord promises, the word that follows that is, I died for that. You are forgiven. Now there's a follow-up question to this then, and that is, how do we hear this word? Where do we get this forgiveness, this absolution? And what is wonderful is that the Lord gives us a whole myriad of ways in which he speaks this forgiving word to us. So we can pray, as we've spoken of previously in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses. And the Lord, who is faithful to his promises and has promised to hear that prayer and to answer that prayer, says, yes, they are forgiven. And then we can speak with one another in what we call the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren and encourage one another in that forgiveness. And when we see someone with a guilty conscience burdened by sin, we can remind them, Jesus died for that. You are forgiven. And we can hear 
in the service, as we heard not that long ago, is a called and ordained servant of the word, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins, and to know that that's the voice of God. But there is a particular way in which this shows up that we shouldn't forget, a, a fourth place that it shows up, and that's in the private confession. Because our consciences sometimes don't like to listen to the broad words. We can pray, forgive us our trespasses, but we don't hear a voice that comes after that. We might hear it in our mind, but not an audible voice from heaven. And we can console one another in our forgiveness, but it's still not quite the same. And we can hear the general absolution in the divine service, but our conscience is really good at trying to trick us the devil, we should say, is really good at trying to trick our conscience into thinking that that was for all of these minor sins, but maybe not the really, really, really bad ones. If Jesus knew about that sin, which, by the way, he does, we shouldn't trick ourselves into thinking Jesus doesn't know our sins. He knows more than we do. But if this is the trap, if, if Jesus knew about those sins or if we confess those sins, he, he would shake a fist at us. He would be angry with us. If I told the pastor that, the pastor would never look at me the same. I, I have news for you. I already look at you like you're a sinner. Sorry to break that to you. I look at you as though you're a forgiven sinner, but I know you're a sinner. You're not going to surprise me by anything. I'm also bound by my oath to never say that to anybody else, to reveal what is confessed to me. And this is a beautiful thing then, that we can give a name to our sin. We can call the thing into light, out of darkness, and say, I did that. And the response is, I forgive you. And that's it. Go in peace. You are forgiven. You're covered with Christ's blood. And the reason why we can leave then having heard that marvelous word of absolution, regardless of where it comes from, we can leave that place with sure and certain confidence that it's true is because God's promised that it's true. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. That is Jesus' promise. And so when you hear that your sins are forgiven, when you hear the absolution, you can know for certain that they are. It doesn't matter what you might think about them. Jesus has died for them. He's covered them with his blood. He's scattered them as far as the east is from the west. They do not stand before his face or in his courtroom any longer. They're gone. And even though we might be tempted to think that we're too wicked, or that a particular sin is too wicked to have been died for in this way, even though we might be tempted to think that we have sins that are too terrible, even for Jesus, even when our heart convicts us, God is greater than our heart. His word is more sh sure and certain than our heart. And he reminds us, no, I did die for that. It is forgiven. Because God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and has forgiven our sins and cleanses us from all, all 
unrighteousness. And so, dear saints, be glad in the Lord, O you his righteous, and shout for joy, O you upright in heart, because you are forgiven all your sins, because the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all of them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.